Bachelor, 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 live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 802 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brendan Batchelor, as the music suggests, is going to join us in just a moment here. Uh, hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kentech studio, Kentech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kentech.net. Uh, Batch is going to be on the call of the Canucks-Ducks game tonight, and I need to apologize to Lucas Dostal because I called him Jacob Dostal. Dostal. Dostal? Dastal? <laughs> and his checks would be Jakob if he was Jacob. You didn't right. get that right. No, I got it all wrong. Got it all wrong. But so who's, is, who's starting tonight? Do we know? We don't know. Uh, Laddie, you also had an error as it pertains to this young netminder as well. Well, yesterday I said he was my number two ranked goalie prospect coming into the season. He was actually my number three. What an oh, idiot! Does he know his own rankings? What an uh, idiot! Levi and Wolf were one and two. I um, should have known that. I made the list. Levi uh, struggling, right? Uh, I would say struggling, but he's not doing what they thought he was going to do right away, and I, I give him a lot of leash. Is right? he He's their still, starter, though? I don't think he is now. There's a three-headed goalie monster over there right now. Yeah. got uh, Uko Pekka Lukonen, nice. and also Eric Comrie, who is currently injured. Um, what happened? Did you see, you see there was an e-bug in Calgary last night? There was. Yeah. Dusty nickel. Do you get excited when there's e-bugs because you're that much closer to it? Um, you're like, you're there. No, because I don't have any realistic shot of actually being one. <laughs> it's like a little alarm that goes but off in his not? head. He could be anywhere in the world, and Laddie will, little, his little e-bug alarm will go off. Well, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, do you think Uka Pekalukanen lives in the chocolate factory, or just <laughs> back to you? I'm actually, e-bug. I'm actually against e-bugs. Uka Pekalukanen, do do <laughs> We don't need a song for the backup netminder. <laughs> there, I, I'm of oh, the, he's the guy now. This I'm, is such a sing-songy name. Yeah, I'm of the belief there should be a third goalie rostered spot on the team, but the NHL seems to be fighting that, and they would like to go with. Random e-bugs instead yeah. of an actual professional goaltender. We get batch hung up, by the way. We could do more of that later. We should get the Brandon mm. Batch. We're waiting <laughs> patiently on hold here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Not much. It's funny you guys bring up Uka Pekka Lukanen because I use his name as like a vocal warm-up before right. the game. So that, I go, Uka Pekka Lukanen picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pecks of pickled peppers did Uka Pekka Lukanen pick? See, that's wow. pretty good. That's, that's amazing. That's really good. <laughs> and usually I have a couple drinks in the morning, too. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> well played. Well played. Okay, uh, tonight's game. Obviously, the big news from Canucks land is that it looks like Kuzmenko's back in. Uh, I guess more unfortunately for what has been a nice story thus far. Um, it's who is it? it's oh did Giuseppe out sorry you were I, I got distracted um, you know I feel bad because I think Giuseppe for the large part has been a great story and we talk you know found money Phil and all this stuff but I guess the reality is we looked at it and kind of through gritted teeth we had to acknowledge that it was trending in this direction if it was going to go this way it was likely that PDG was going to be the odd man out when Kuzmenko came back in yeah and to clarify fully, when we spoke to Rick Tockett about this yesterday, he was not willing to commit that Di Giuseppe was the guy coming out, but was willing to say that Kuzmenko would go back in. So we'll see if the lines remain the same at morning skate today as they were yesterday, where Di Giuseppe was the 13th forward. But coming into the year, he was obviously a great story. 
had such a great training camp, played really well on that line early in the season. And I think, uh, you know, Talkett kind of alluded to this yesterday when he's on his game, he gets in on the four check and, and causes other teams to turn the puck over. And that was a big part of why that line had success early. And he's kind of gotten away from some of that in his game. So, you know, this is going to be the interesting thing with uh, the forward depth that they have, and especially if and when they get Pew Suter back uh, off the injured list as well, is there are decisions that aren't so easy anymore in terms of who to pull out night-to-night basis and a guy like Di Giuseppe who has played in your top six for most of this season and especially early acquitted himself very well could find himself out of the lineup tonight. How much of Kuzmenko's struggles could be related to Pedersen not looking 100%? Some of them, uh, but at the same time, in terms of his offensive production, yes, I think that's a, a fair comment. He's also not shooting. I think we're going to have to reconnect with Batch. Last year and his shooting percentage, which was... Yeah, we're going to have to reconnect with Batch. Maybe, uh, I don't know if we're on a clean feed or we might just have to call him because the clean feed keeps... uh, It's a little dirty. Sullied. Soiled. It keeps cutting out. Anyway, Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford. It's soiled. More like soil feed. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, So... Yeah, I guess he was in the middle of talking about Kuzmenko. I think we got him back now, so we'll try this again. Why don't, why don't we just start start over again with that question? Batch, we're going to start fresh. Can you take it from the top, your response to what Jason was asking prior to the clean feed, not going so clean? Yeah. Uh, in terms of Kuzmenko, I would say his offensive production being down might have something to do with, with Pedersen, but at the same time, um, you know, he, he what has three goals on the year. Uh, last year he shot 27%, this year he's shooting 11%, and he's not shooting the puck as much as he did a year ago. He's averaging you know fewer shots per game and on pace for fewer shots this season than he had last year. And this is coming from a guy who, coming into the season, talked about how he knew that his shooting percentage was going to regress and was going to need to shoot more. Well, that hasn't happened. And then when you couple some of that stuff, which I think we probably expected, you know, I think he's done well to find a way to still produce 14 points uh, to this point in the year by, you know, mostly chipping in with assists and obviously being a beneficiary of the the power play unit. But the two-way game is something that is clearly non-negotiable from Rick Tockett. And uh, he kind of alluded to it yesterday saying, you know, this is a guy that scored 39 goals yesterday, but it, or, or last season, but it wasn't on a very good team. And, uh, we want to be a good team here, so we have certain standards that we expect in terms of two-way play. And you can look back at multiple goals where Kuzmenko loses his man in the defensive zone or um, doesn't stop in the high slot when he's on the back check to to protect that area of the ice and the other team gets a scoring chance or a goal from from a high-quality scoring area there. And, you know, Talkett even talked about how, like, getting the puck deep when you're under pressure with three men on you rather than trying to make a play when your line mates are changing. Like, these are kind of uh, hockey IQ things to a certain extent for mm-hmm. me, and it's something that they're working with Kuzmenko on, and I'll be interested to see whether we see some improvement in those areas with him going back into the lineup tonight because they've had a couple of days to work with him like you know they they go into san jose after the seattle game first of all 
you know, he doesn't play in Seattle. So that means he will have been doing extra work in the morning after the morning skate with the coaches. And then they probably had him out on the ice again on Saturday morning or early afternoon in San Jose because he wasn't playing that night. So he's had some time to go through some of these things with the coaching staff. And now we'll see if he can implement them going back into the game. And then also, you know, circling back to what you talked about off the top of the question, uh, can he help spark Pedersen a little bit? Because he certainly doesn't look confident right now. Just one more thing on Kuzmenko, and then then we can talk about PD. How much do you think this is all related to Kuzmenko being 27 years old? So as a professional hockey player, he's a veteran. He played a number of years in the KHL before coming over to the NHL. Before that, he hadn't played in North America at all. And all of a sudden, he's coming over to Vancouver, and he had a very different coach to start uh, last season with the Canucks, and he got off to a great start. And then a new coach comes in. I just wonder how much of this stuff he's hearing from Rick Tockett. Like, it's the first he's ever heard of it. It's entirely possible, and we know that like the the KHL isn't necessarily known as a league that is you know stingy defensively in terms of the way that teams play, and you know we know the the, the hockey culture in Russia has oftentimes been about tremendous offensive players, um, and Kuzmenko certainly is that. Uh, but you know, I thought the most telling comment from Taket yesterday about all of this was when he was talking about how Kuzmenko produced on a team that didn't win last year. And he essentially said, you know, you'll get your points, but you're never going to win that way. And that is clearly the expectation from this coaching staff. They want to win as a team. They want to have success. And Kuzmenko is going to need to find a way to buy into some of these defensive issues. Or, you know, I've talked about this with you guys before. The other thing you can do if you're Andre Kuzmenko is you can produce offense at such a great degree that they can't pull you out of the lineup, that they have to live with your defensive deficiencies because you're putting the puck in the net every night or or with pretty consistent regularity. And neither of those things have happened this year, and that's why he's been a healthy scratch. And, you know, even if you look back at his time under Bruce Boudreaux, who certainly was a lot more loosey-goosey in terms of his structure and, and defensive zone stuff, even Bruce Boudreaux made him a healthy scratch last year at one point. So um, there, there is a new expectation, a new level he has to get to in the NHL with his 200-foot game. And I'll be interested to see what that process is like for him because you're right. It's not like he's a, a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old rookie. He's 27, and oftentimes you know, we say that players are what they're going to be by the time they're that age. Um, did they practice the power play? Yesterday, because I'm curious if Kuzmenko was back on it or if Hronik is still there, because Hronik looked pretty good out there. Uh, they didn't practice the power play in the portions of practice that I saw, so uh, I, I can't speak to it directly, but I agree. You know, Hronik's shooting threat on that left-hand side in particular uh, has opened up some options for them. And then, you know, I, I think it's not even just on the power play, but at five-on-five, five, what Hughes and Hironic do together on the blue line in terms of their switches and, and the passing plays that they make to create openings and opportunities for each other is a big part of how the Canucks generate offense as a whole. So uh, that is an interesting thing, is Kuzmenko is going to get back into the lineup, but I don't necessarily know if he will or if he should just get his spot back on the first power play unit because Hughes and Hironic have developed such a great chemistry together 
They're such dynamic players, both of them. And then you've got Heronic, who has the ability to uncork, you know, a hundred plus mile per hour shots that you've got to, you know, you know, be honest with him. And, and if you're a penalty killer, you've got to, you know, protect that area of the ice too, because you know that he's a shooting threat. And so teams have to commit to protecting against his shot. And it opens up areas for other guys. If he doesn't get the puck to the net or is able to make a nice pass. And I don't know if you get the same thing from Kuzmenko on that top unit. All right, Batch, let's talk about PD. What are you seeing from him? He's playing slow, I think, is the, the way I would describe it, which doesn't necessarily mean he's not trying or not skating hard. But, um, you know, the, the, the way that he often, you know, talk, talked about this yesterday, too, and not that I want to just repeat his press conference or reference everything he was saying, but he talked about wanting his guys to demand the puck. And I think when PD plays well, he looks very confident. He's very, you know, proactive, demands the puck, makes plays with it, is aggressive and confident. And mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that confidence right now. Um, you know, I, I think oftentimes, like, let's say he gets the puck and he wants to skate through the neutral zone. When he's playing well, he accelerates and he gets up ice quickly and makes a play or gets a shot on goal. He looks like he's slowing down with the puck right now. And I, I wonder if that's a confidence thing. Obviously, there's been lots of speculation about whether there's some some injury involved there. But with the way the Canucks want to play, if you're slow in transition, then guys are going to catch you on the back check. It gives defensemen more time to, to get set and, and gap up in terms of defending you. And, you know, it, it, it means that it, it's harder for you to create offense or, or to make the plays that – We've seen so much from Pedersen, and I think that's a big part of the reason why Lafferty's been on that line over the last few games because he just skates north-south, gets in on the forecheck. I thought him and Mikheyev did a pretty good job of that in the game in San Jose in limited stretches, and it wasn't until Pedersen laid that hit on Addison in the the third period where he did sort of step up and and make an aggressive play and, and skate into Addison and use his speed that I thought he, he found his game. So hopefully that's a, a turning point for Pedersen, that he makes a play like that. It regains some confidence. Even though the Canucks didn't win the game, they had extended stretches in the shark zone at six on five and, and you know, very well could have tied the game. So you hope for a guy like Pedersen that maybe is going through a little bit of a moment in terms of his confidence that that allows him to find his game again and get back to the kind of player that we saw early in the year who was demanding the puck, who was aggressive, who um, was was dictating the way the game was being played at times. And I, I don't think we're seeing that same level of, of control over the game from Patterson right now. Yeah, it's such an interesting way to look at it, actually, demanding the puck. I mean, JT Miller demands the puck, and I thought it was interesting listening to Tockett say yesterday, like, you don't even have to be wide open. Like, sometimes you can be surrounded by guys, but you still want the puck because you're confident enough that you can do something, even if that thing is just chipping it past some defenseman and getting in on the forecheck. Um, it's always the... the de- it, it's constantly been the debate with Petey, though, whenever he's struggled, and we saw him struggle badly a couple of years ago, is it injuries or is it confidence or is one leading to the other? And at the end of the day, it's both. What do you think? Yeah, well, so the only thing I think we can go on is what we've seen in the past because Tockett has said it's not an injury this time. Pedersen has said it's not an injury this time. And we have no you know, ability to gain further information on the issue other than that, right? We're not in the, the medical room. We're not 
team doctors or anything like that. But I will say that when Pedersen went through those struggles a couple of years ago, at the time, he did not want to use injury as an excuse. And he said, no, I'm fine. I just have to play better. And then after he'd found his game again in the second half of the season, when we spoke to him at the end of the year press conference, he then was willing to admit, yeah, my wrist still wasn't 100%. And, and that was a factor in how I was playing. So that's the only thing I can go off in the past is to say that, you know, the last time he went through, uh, you know, a moment like this. And, and I also think, you know, we shouldn't compare the two because that was a more prolonged stretch of, of down downward trending play. And, and he looked like he had absolutely no confidence at times at that point. And I don't think we're there yet with the way he's playing right now, but he didn't want to use injury as an excuse. He was good enough to play in the lineup. And, you know, whenever you're good enough to play, you know, the, the, there's a certain level that's expected from you and, and you're going to be held accountable if you don't play to that level, because you're taking the spot of someone else that could be in the lineup. Um, but, that's all I'll say is last time he did have a bit of an injury and it affected him. And it wouldn't surprise me if regardless of what he and talkative said, if that's the the same this time around batch, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for doing it. We appreciate it. Uh, have a good call tonight. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Thanks. Brendan bachelor play by play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the health and breath show on Sportsnet six fifty. Uh, it is what we learn time. I actually have one and I'll do it now to kind of set things up for the final half hour of the show where not only are we going to read humanoid what we learns, we're also going to give away a pair of tickets. Thursday, November 30th, Canucks Vegas Golden Knights, 7 o'clock Rogers Arena. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the best what we learned submission. You can still win. We have not picked a winner yet. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Hashtag it WWL and put a ticket emoji into your text to be entered into the grand prize contest to win tickets to see the Golden Knights and Canucks on Thursday. My what we learned, Jason, is for all those listeners, all of you in listener land, that can't stand soccer and say, it's got to be more like hockey. We like hockey. This is a hockey country. This is a hockey station. This is your home of the Canucks. No soccer, more hockey. Soccer is about to potentially take on uh, a penalty box, much like hockey. A penalty, like, uh, like rugby has the sin bin. Is that, that is, what they're thinking? Of they are. They guys? are going to implement the sin bin. So at today, I, 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 I think that's a great idea. Today, because I think the difference between a yellow card and a red card is just so dramatic. Today, the International Football Association Board, the IFAB, one of my favorite boards, mm-hmm. uh, they met today for their annual general meeting, and they approved temporary sin bins to be tested in the professional game. It sounds like they're going to do it in the Women's Super League in England, also maybe for next year's FA Cup. What the sin bin is, it's pretty self-explanatory, but instead of uh, issuing a yellow card as a warning and then a red card as a straight dismissal, you would be issued a yellow card or caution, I guess. they probably change how it would work. And you would be put on the sidelines for 10 minutes in a 90-minute match. Uh, you mentioned that this is already being used in rugby. They're thinking about doing this specifically to address two things. One, uh, dissent towards referees, which is on the rise and is becoming a bigger issue more and more, and they're not really sure how to deal with it because now they're giving yellows for dissent. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you give a yellow for dissent, that player is then that much closer to be ascending off. Let's say he gets involved in one bad tackle. You, exactly. It right. would normally be a yellow, now it's a red. Yeah. Also, they're trying to clamp down and make tactical fouls 
more punitive. Now, this is really interesting because what they found in the modern game is the really smart managers and the really well-coached teams won't try and defend a counterattack when the counterattack is already underway. They try and snuff it out before it starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was perhaps most famously done in the 2020 played in 2021 Euro final between England and Italy when Chiellini ripped down Saka. You remember that, right? I remember that. One of the more um, infamous fouls because by the letter of the law, not ascending off, Mm -hmm. but when you watched it play out, it looked really egregious. Like he didn't, it was a tactical foul of very, very demonstrative nature, I would say. So the idea, Chiellini knew what he was exactly doing. Exactly what he was he doing. He was a veteran it's a, guy. It's okay. actually regarded as one of the smartest, one of the best fouls in a big match mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Because he knew the situation. He knew what he could get away with, and he got away with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Italy went on to win that game. Allegedly. I don't really know if that's <laughs> true or not. I mean, in penalty kicks. So uh, I don't know how this will look in real time in a match. I'm intrigued by any... Any sporting body or governing body that wants to try and think outside the box and do something differently. This, to me, there's already a little bit of proof of concept with rugby. Um, I don't know what it would look like in terms of, well, what happens if you get a second trip to the sin bin? Are you then... Oh, that's ascending off. Is that, yeah. Or how they explain it here is you could actually go for a second 10-minute timeout, Mm -hmm. and then you won't be allowed to be returned to the match, but you could be substituted out if you have a substitution left. I see, yeah. Because I guess the other part of this is red cards become crazy punitive, Mm -hmm. and sometimes not all red cards are created equal. Like, sometimes it's a guy that, yeah, you get a caution for dissent, and then you get a caution for a bad tackle. Mm -hmm. Does that really equal to putting your team down to 10 men for, I don't know, 45 to 60 minutes. Right. It's all, And so it's an interesting wrinkle. I'll be curious to see how it plays out. Very curious to see if they put it in the FA Cup next year. And for Andrew and Victoria, there you go. Soccer talk that applies to you. I want to I, I just read Hold a on, few. Hold on, you got uh, uh, Oh, yeah, okay. I wasn't sure if that was an official one or not. That was an official Moocow. So I just want to put this, uh, a couple of texts out here on Petey. Um, one unsigned says, I can't believe this is the narrative going with the media right now. I usually love you guys, but let's give it a damn rest. EP40 has 29 points in 22 games. Like, really? He's had a few off games, just like every player does. Seriously. Here's another one. Different one. This is from uh, Sparky Mark in Poco. Sparky Mark. Guys, I was at the Seattle game, which was a ton of fun, and watched the pregame skate. Petey was noticeably skating slower, shooting softer, and looked uncomfortable compared to all the other guys. Something is definitely wrong with him. Hmm. To me, he looks off. Hmm. Okay? Yeah, he does have 29 points in 22 games. He's the type of player that can pick up points even when he's not on. But for the Canucks to be a very good team... He needs to be not just treading water. Hmm. He needs to be one of the best weapons in the game. I got to ask. Right now, he's not. You, you don't watch him play. Listen, it happens sometimes, right? McDavid earlier in the season was going through the same thing. Maybe like he wasn't a hundred percent, and he didn't look himself. Last two games, he's looked like himself, and he was the first star of the week. Hopefully, that's the story for Petey. But I think in the back of our minds, we all remember two years ago when he went through a funk that you cannot tell me was just injury-related. You just can't tell me that. Can I throw something out there? Um, I've 
kind of tried to make the narrative go in a different direction by pointing to the line mates that he's had. And like Mikheyev's not a sniper. He's a good forward, but and and Sam Lafferty, like God bless him, he's not a top line guy. And Kuzmenko's not playing well. Are we getting closer to saying maybe it's time to skate him with the NHL's co-leading goal scorer and the guy who sits third in the NHL in points? And just get the lotto line back together. Well, it's the problem because Pew Suter isn't back. So I then know. you've got then you've got a deficit at center. So listen, it's just something to monitor. If you think we're making too much of it, you know, I understand. That's your opinion. We welcome those opinions. Um, I think the consensus though is that something's off with PD. What we learned, humanoids addiction, uh, is coming up next on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Accurate dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the interweb at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, we are by, I got the loan, um, what we learned in from the Halford and Bruff show today because we have so many good entries from the people. Humanoid Edition, what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! So the uh, we'll go right to the winner of the tickets. And you might think that it's going to be a Canucks-related what we learned, because there is tickets it's to the It's kind Canucks. of a Canucks-related one. But uh, it's also Vikings-related. And I should point out um, that the entire 650 crew gathered last night at AJ's Pizza Place on East Broadway, now proud sponsor of the show. It was a good time. And one of the things that we were able to do at AJ's on the multiple big screens they have is watch... Monday Night Football. Now, I say able to do because I consciously did not watch that game because it was awful. I kept on looking over and I was like, it's still 3 nothing." It was just huh. like Josh Dobbs would turn it over and then the Bears were like, no, no, don't worry. We'll turn it right back over to you. It was horrific. It was 12-10. I think the Bears were the first team this season to win a game without scoring a touchdown. And it's the first time they've done that since 1993. So sometimes when we're picking a winner for what we learned, it'll be a funny what we learn, and we'll go, ah, that person <laughs> deserves the ticket sometimes. Uh, or real laughter. How it'll, be, it'll be a sob story, and we'll take pity on that texter. And Vikings fan in Poco texted in, what we learned, I learned that both my teams can look like contenders one week and then lose to the Sharks and Bears the next. The only thing that will make me feel better is tickets to see one of those teams. I love pain. Yeah. Josh Dobbs, man, the uh, 
the, the shine sure wore off pretty quick there. That was actually a good result that the Bears were able to come back and win that one uh, for the Seahawks because I, the not, Vikings yeah. fell to six and six, and the Seahawks are six and five. So the uh, Seahawks lapped over the Vikings. The Seahawks care, season is so dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> it died in that second game against the Rams. Yeah, it was on life support. And it was gaining some steam because I was excited about the Thanksgiving night game against the Niners. I'm and that, still going to keep watching. It just, well, I'll watch. But mm-hmm. they're, I saw, on a, they're again Thursday in Dallas this time. That'll be an easy one. I saw the schedule and I said, you have to beat the Rams, especially given what happened. And we, I don't want to belabor this, but the opener against the Rams. And Pete Carroll talked about it for like three weeks, how disappointed he was by it. And then they went out and did the, almost the exact same thing in LA. Anyway, I digress. Um, you know, I love a good a good dad joke here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So kudos to Snoop the Dog. While you did not win the tickets, I'll let you know that you were in contention. What we learned, the Minnesota Wild have brought in Heinz in an attempt to catch up to the rest of the West. Hey. Like, like condiment. <laughs> I, I missed that one. I uh, love a good condiment joke. Good job. And his name is Snoop the Dog. Uh, Steve from White Rock. What we learned, Elias Pettersson is still the only player in the top 20 of NHL scoring who does not have a single penalty minute all year. Is this the year for the Lady Bank? Finally, after years of pining for the worst award at the end of the season. Actually, is it? Is Lady Bing? I, I hate saying worst, but... Lady Bing always feels like a consolation prize. It goes to some pretty good players. It has. Some really good players. It has. A lot of guys don't like the sportsmanship trophies, though. I remember when I worked for a team, we used to give one out, like a team sportsmanship award. Nobody wanted it. (laughs) There is a stupid... Sportsmanship. It's weak. Yeah, there is a stupid correlation. And I want to stress stress how stupid it is. There's a stupid correlation between sportsmanship and weakness. Like, that's why no one wants to win the Lady Bing. I just don't like it because I think it's kind of a dumb... It's kind of a dumb award because when we used to vote on it, you'd just go and you'd do who has the most points and a ratio to the least penalty minutes, right? That's how mm-hmm. you voted on it. And then you would always give Chris Tanev a token fifth yeah, place. Yeah, he got a lot of fifth place votes because yeah. it's hard as a defenseman not to That's the thing. Defensemen right? almost can't win it because they have to take penalties as mm-hmm. part of their job. That doesn't mean that they're not sportsmen. But the, but the, but the, the powers that be never wanted Chris Tanev to win the Lady Bing because he looks like a drifter. Yeah, that was, that's the other thing, right? He shows up with, like, missing teeth, and he puts the, the Lady yeah. Bing award in his bindle, and then he walks off down the <laughs> down the train tracks with his Lady Bing. They don't want that. Get a plaid suit jacket on. <laughs> and, then he, and then he walks into Hope and tangles yeah. tangles with the sheriff there. That's right. Has a meal at Raleigh's. Is Raleigh still open in Hope? Wow, 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 Did no one get the Rambo joke there? Did you? Oh. Oh, the Rambo right. joke. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It I forgot home. Rambo was Rambo was the original yeah. drifter. Yeah. And Once it was, again. That's right. It was in it was Hope. An army yeah. It was in Hope. Another. Yeah. Call him a drifter. He was yeah. a drifter. Well, gotta, they all have a history. Got to support the you troops. You don't grow up and be like, I'm going to be a drifter when I'm... You know, something it happens in your life that causes you to drift. True. No Jack chooses, Reacher is a drifter. No, it, wasn't in called, it wasn't called Rambo, though. Keep in mind, it was called First Blood. It wasn't called Rambo. That's okay. a common misconception. Also, the another, name Rambo didn't appear in the title until the second one. Finally, to put a bow on this, another timely movie reference from the Halford and Bruff show. <laughs> uh, some, a few listeners, not not many, a few listeners uh, enjoyed my Silver Spoons reference yes. yesterday and said, <laughs> "I remember that episode." Yeah, uh, Kim from East Van. What we learned. I love this one. I have you guys to thank for my husband. Moo cowing me when he is done talking about uncomfortable stuff. 
I love that. Can you imagine, like, you're having the uncomfortable talk and you get vulnerable for a little bit, but then you're like, enough of that moo cow. <laughs> Honey, I really don't want to see your mother-in-law tonight. Right. At the risk, at the risk of ever discussing your wife and or mother with a moo, I just feel like it's not a smart move because it could be misconstrued. I do appreciate the fact that it's a good way to get out of an awkward I just would imagine, no, 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 like I just would imagine him the leaving the room with it. Yeah. You have the conversation, but then you're done with it. Moo cow. Or you just maybe wait until he's in the other room and there's like a, just a distant because there's that commercial on right now where people don't want to talk about their finances so they come up with the other most uncomfortable thing to talk about you've seen that one right I think I so the rash yeah. they have yeah the rash yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. They're like uh, so something about the RRSP and they're like I have a very uncomfortable body rash <laughs> anyway um, Greg and Lad okay I get it I get it uh, I want it one more time Greg and Lad Wasson Hashtag WWO what we learned. My favorite part of the all-star draft in the Kessel year was that they called it a quote-unquote fantasy draft. It definitely happened for real and wasn't a fantasy. Seems like they are wording it differently this time. So this is in um, relation to the news that Wish talked about. By the way, download the Hour One podcast. You can hear Wyshynski. The NHL is bringing back the draft process for the All-Star game. Which I think is great. I will never, ever watch another actual All-Star game, no. or frankly, I'm probably not going to watch the skills competition, but I will watch the guys get drunk and do a draft. So That, that was, was the best part of it. Like You could tell part of it. these guys have been pre-gaming. Yeah. Um, I think there was like some comments made about Ryan Getzlaff at one point, one of them, because they did it two years in a row. I think a lot of people forget No, this. it was Shattenkirk's hair. Shattenkirk's hair. That's yeah. right. He just got owned so badly when he went up there because Shattenkirk was pretty bald. And, and, the, he, and But he wasn't taking it gracefully. No, he was holding on. I think he had a bit of a, a slight comb over, which you don't see anymore. No, and then I think... <laughs> I don't even think it was like a clever chirp. I think they were like, nice salad, and then he just got owned a thousand percent. Anyway, no, it was like, we're drafting like a great guy, but the worst hair or so something like a- that. Andy, yeah. you can now, uh, we'll afford you a minute here because this was going to be your what we learned, but then we kind of took the steam out of it. This, you love the all-star game. As well, the, as, love as, is as a strong it, word, but it can be enjoyable. You love watch it. In what, in what way is it enjoyable? I, I like the skills comp. The game itself is usually pretty What lame. do you like about the I just the like watching game. the players interact with each other and I like seeing who wins and it can be fun and entertaining. It also it could also be pretty lame. Like it's up and down for me. I don't like every single mm. one. Last year's I didn't care for so much. The previous years actually I didn't like either. Like but the one before I like that, the harder shot competition where you're like, "Wow, that was a hard shot." What? Whoa. Yeah. That was slightly harder. Jason wow. does not Jason does not have time for your ch- childlike games, hey. but the the draft process. I think the All-Star game is perfect I've... for kids and I think all kids should watch it. I watched it as a kid and then There have uh, been times when I've really enjoyed it. Like there have been some really really fun when? ones. When? I don't know, like back when the Sedins were still in the NHL. Um and Dad Datsuk was there. Jason's there list good ones. Jason's list of things that are only for children are the NHL All-Star game. Ketchup and wrestling. Things only for children slash Andy. And Owen Nolan pointed (laughs) at the goalie. Ketchup, my friend. But the players draft where they drafted Kessel last was hilarious. That whole thing was funny. So I'm glad that they're bringing it back. And the key is alcohol. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. It was so on brand for a bunch of the old hockey guys to get bent out of shape about Kessel being picked last. Like, yeah. I, and it was almost a shame that Brian Burke was leading the charge because totally. sometimes Berkey actually has some cool, like, interesting things to say. That was not one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? 
Phil Kessel probably didn't lose any sleep about being picked last overall. That's because Berkey tried to build a team around Kessel. Yeah, that, <laughs> he took that as a personal affront. He's like, he's, that's my guy, right? Getting picked last overall. Well, I also think he knew Kessel, and I think Kessel, he's, 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 he's a unique guy, right? And that was probably an uncomfortable situation for Kessel. That does A guy that does not like the spotlight unless it's unless he's on the ice. Uh, Chayton and Surrey, what we learned? I learned one year ago yesterday... Alfonso Davies scored Canada's first ever goal at the World Cup in the first minute against Croatia. Since then, things have been a disaster on and off the field. I remember, I haven't seen Halford sports happy all that much, but when Alfonso scored that one, I actually missed it because I I was like looking down on my phone or something. Classic guy, I was stuck on his Well, it happened so fast in the game. Yep. And I'm like, it's soccer. Nothing will happen for a while. You were and wrong. then Davies scores this goal, and you were so happy because you know they'd already played. They'd already played in the World Cup in '86, and they played the game in, uh, against Belgium, which they lost, but they played very well at. Um, but they'd never scored a goal. So and when they finally scored, it was like happiness. And ever since then, honestly, yeah. that was the high point because. The rest of that game went terribly for Canada, and then it got worse. If you could take a moment in time where um, it was pure unbridled joy and shock, it, it, it lasted so briefly. It was a fleeting moment, but you got to understand that they came out and played great against Belgium. And then Herdman said what he said about Croatia, and it was Davies that missed the penalty, and it looked like he was coming back with a vengeance when he scored. He's like, I'm going to show everyone that, I, you know, how much this means to me. And there was about a 10 or 15 minute window where I was like, oh my God, this is all actually happening. They said, F Croatia, and then they're actually going to go out and win mm. it. Now I knew there was a lot of Because they've left. played so well against Belgium. And it just right? looked like it was a carryover. Yeah. Like, oh, we're not, we're not going to play as well as we did against Belgium. We're going to play even better. And the goal was amazing. And it was such a quick strike and just knifing through the Croats, and it was the first goal, and then they had that kind of now infamous shot of one of the Canadian supporters in Qatar. He's a Vancouver guy, by the way. And he had his hands on his head in disbelief, like, I can't believe what I just saw. And then it all went away. <laughs> it all mm-hmm. frittered away. But, Frey, for 10- I swear to God, if they don't beat Trinidad and Tobago and don't get to Copa America... yeah. I'll always look back on those 10 or 15 minutes fondly, though. Like, it wasn't yeah. a long time, but it was a good time. That's kind of my mantra. Uh, unsigned what we learned. It's confusing why it's so hard to find a family doctor in the lower mainland, considering the number of apparent doctors in Canucks fandom hashtag Pedersen. Oh, rim shot. Yeah. Listen, we've all seen him taping his wrist, but there is speculation, and I think some informed speculation, that it's also something else. But they're the big three, right? Wrist, something else, and confidence with Petey. The big, something else. The, the big three. Something else. Some other injury. Yeah. Uh, could be this, anything. This one's from... It could be anything. <laughs> Jeremy and Sook. Uh, hashtag WW, what we learned. After listening to yesterday's podcast and hearing how Halford worked for someone that wore a purple suit and then Bruff calling him Willy Wonka, I have learned that Halford... Is an oompa loompa. Yeah, someone made that pointed that out yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that I was rank and file underneath the purple suit wearing individual. Yeah. But we Did you we, have a little like Michael Helper, No, we never used the Willy Wonka you. reference because oh. it was purely Grimace. And then like I said, once Grimace caught on too much and people I had to, we had to go with Grimace. Once Grimace that caught worked. on that you calling 
Like it was like it was a gr- grimace, I and mean, you say it like that, and then they have no idea what you're talking about. Mike they, they in they Mike knew. Mike in Nanaimo. What we learned after another stinker of a primetime game. I learned this is the worst NFL season in a generation between the high-profile QB injuries, countless low-scoring games, and lack of storylines. I've been struggling to find more than one game I want to watch each week. Mike, I Who agree sent with that you. in? Tom Brady? Mike and Nanaimo. Oh, Mike and Nanaimo. They are often confused. Yeah. Um, I Look... When Brady said what he said, and we talked about this on yesterday's show with Nick Nick Shook from NFL.com. Brady was looking pretty good during Monday Night Football last night. He right? should have been there. Like I kept receipts on everyone that dissed me. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Like Josh Dobbs. And it's crazy to think that for two weeks, Josh Dobbs was hailed as like, this guy's going to get us to the promised land, the playoffs. Can we talk about the other quarterback involved? You mean future um, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Justin Fields? What would you think about the, the, the Seahawks taking... Justin Fields for next season in some way, not as their starter, but maybe you keep Geno and you have Justin Fields there. So everyone knows what's going on here, right? The thought process is the Bears, who are loaded with draft capital because of the trade that they made last season, uh, are also four and eight. And they're in the running to have another high end pick because they get Carolina's pick, right? That's, That's how this works. So they could just start fresh, right? They could just be like, you know what? This ain't working. We've tried a few years. We like maybe Justin Fields, and we think he's talented, but we also have a chance to get someone who's a little better suited for the pro game because I think Mm -hmm. the big issues are, is Fields an accurate enough passer? Does he protect the ball enough? Is he smart enough? To be a franchise quarterback, or is he just going to be a really athletic guy? Now, my personal opinion is there's a lot of talent there, and I would be 100% behind the Seahawks going out and acquiring him. But not as their starter. I'd give him a shot at it. Yeah. Here's what I think. I think he has come along in one of the worst organizations in the NFL over the last five years. They have been a mess, right? He's had countless coordinators and head coaches. They've tried to surround him with talent, but I, I'm not sure DJ Moore and then a bunch of other dudes is it. Yeah. I think there's really something there. I would love to see the Seahawks. Well, I'd rather out. see him than Drew Locke. Oh, yeah. That's not even a question. I watch, I've seen enough of Drew Locke really forever. Drew Locke is going to be a guy that's a backup quarterback. And when you have to break the glass in case of emergency, it's a real big emergency. And you know that it's not going to go very well. Uh, Tambo in East Van and a Dog's going to like this one. What we learned. I've learned that Michael Penix Jr. is going to have a very hard time making a believer out of Jason Bray, Jason Bruff, who quite frankly has been very hard on Penix. Penix. And the possibility of Penix being a riser on draft boards. Come on, Jason. He's a local Washington kid. Throw the kid a bone. Ah, my groin. <laughs> Penix. <laughs> that's sad that that's my only takeaway from this entire uh, college football season as it pertains to the undefeated and on their way to the Pac-12 title game, Washington Huskies, is they have a quarterback named Penix. So here's a question that might confuse you. Penix. Okay. What? Let's say... Um, like if the Huskies beat the Ducks on Friday, they're going to be they a, go to the they're, national they're, 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 yeah they're, playoff. They're they're going to be in the college football playoff. But let's say, uh, George, Alabama beats Georgia. Okay, right. So you'd have two SEC teams in Georgia and Alabama with only one loss. Mm-hmm. And Michigan beats. I think they play o- o- Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Let's say they beat them, so yep. they'd be in. And then Florida State beats Louisville to remain undefeated. Florida State would be in there. What happens if Oregon 
and then beats Washington, would both Pac-12 teams get left out then? Probably. You're very confused right now. Right Probably. Now. I mean, I guess you get it. I think, okay. Think of your Oopa Loopa training. You have to have one of them in. But I could see. No, you don't. I think. No, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. I could easily see the voters. If Oregon rolls over Washington and goes in with a one loss resume, Mm -hmm. then I think they should go. Right. Okay. So, so if so, if Alabama beats Georgia, who goes in between Alabama and Georgia? They're both one loss teams, right? Well, but but they play in the SEC. Yeah, and the voters always favor SEC. It's a tough one. I hope that all happens. But well, actually, I hope the Huskies win. Beats Oregon. But I hope, I hope, I hope if Oregon does beat Washington, they find a way to keep the Ducks out of the college football playoff Mm -hmm. because that the chaos would be incredible. And what a way to end the final year, essentially, of the Pac-12. Gunner from Kelowna with what we learned. Hashtag WWO. What we learned. I learned that LeBron James set an NBA record in their loss last night in Philly. He's now played more minutes than any other player. Yeah, he's over 66,000 minutes in the NBA now. But he also set another record, the worst loss of his career. Yeah, he lost 138. Even with all the load management, he still broke the record, eh? Yeah, and he's there's no signs of him stopping playing basketball anytime soon. He's going to own all of the sort of um, longevity marks. Like He'll have minutes, games played, he's like the scoring title, all that. He's, he's older than some all. coaches already. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the end game now very much seems like he wants to try and play with his son, which I think is cool and awesome. And I mean, look, he is a, he's a, he's a, mar- he's a physical specimen, absolute marvel that he can still play at the level that he's playing at, even though they did lose uh, by 40 points plus. Could I just yesterday. quickly read this because it made me laugh? Yes. Ryan from Hope. I work at the Visitor Center in Hope, and did you know you can actually pick up a visitor guide of all the First Blood filming locations? We are open daily. <laughs> I need to do that. We I, are open what daily. What was Brian Dennehy really like? That's right. Look at all the guys. Are Richard Crenna. That's David amazing. Caruso was in that movie. Please, we need your business. Also, it was in 1982. <laughs> I appreciate that they're, still, they're like, hey, it's still relevant today. Maybe not as much, but we are open. That was seven- a serious movie, though, right? Like, well, Rambo 2 wasn't. I don't know. The first one was actually a legit drama, and then it turned into this action schlock, but the first one was good. Laddie's yelling at me that we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. He's been intern Joseph. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Ookapekalukin and picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pecks of pickled peppers did Ookapekalukin pick?